Coming up on this episode of Don't Panic, we talk about the death of Google Glass, the future of the iPad Pro. We also talk about Samsung and BlackBerry, Facebook at work, Google, Elon Musk being crazy, and a whole lot more. It's a packed episode of Don't Panic, and it's going to start for you right now. This is Don't Panic, episode number 79, recorded January 19th, 2015, on iPad Pro, Facebook at work, and crazy rich people. Good evening and welcome to another edition of Don't Panic, the technology podcast that went by BlackBerry for even $100. Uh, I'm Sean Jennings and I am joined by the ketchup and mustard of technology. They go great with your wiener. Colby Rabideau and Dave Miller. <laughs> Guys, how's it going today? HR <laughs> violation, Sean. Uh, HR, you you've gone too far. I'm going to have to attend a couple seminars on this one. <laughs> uh, what's going on? Uh, not too much. I just got today. I just got to the part in the office where Michael Scott left. Oh no! On to the post Michael Scott era of the office. Ooh, it's it's pretty hit or miss. Well, yeah, it seems like, all right. Have is this the first time you've done this, Colby? Yeah, I've never watched The Office through before. Oh, yeah. cool. I I'm a fan of Robert California. I know. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay, you know. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I feel you. I agree. The problem is, honestly, even those years, the James Spader years, aren't that bad. The problem is after he leaves in the very next season, then you have some really, really tough moments. Yeah, I see. (laughs) Well, I anxiously await those. And enjoy that. (laughs) And and as we watch through the end of Parks and Recreation, uh, these these next couple weeks. Indeed. How, what have you thought about the first two episodes of those? Have you both watched them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, I I was pleased but apprehensive. I thought it's very tough when a show jumps into the future like that because you both have to set the show in the future, but you also have to take the time to explain all the things that happened in X number of years. It's a very tough right. thing to do. Yeah. I think they've done a decent job at it. I just want to know where it's going. That's fair. I mean, it's to be honest, like, I thought Parks and Rec, I I found it less enjoyable since Ann Perkins left, because I feel like the Ann, well, one, Chris Trigger was great, and two, the Ann Perkins character kind of balanced out Leslie's madness, and I liked liked the balance there, and I, I feel like, I don't know, without it, something, some, something is missing, it's too, too far. Yeah, but they were both gone out of the last season too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was. I think they did a good job going into the future. Uh, it gives you a lot to think about, like why is Leslie so mad at Ron? What is that? Whatever they call him, Project Magnolia or whatever it is. There's they keep referring to this thing that she doesn't want to talk about. Like what is? The, I think that's cool, and it could have gone a lot worse. Yeah. That's did you did you I, start I, watching? I I was gonna say, say I I did like the uh, Ron Business's name, like what very good very good construction company. <laughs> yeah. Did you pick up the second season of Shield, Colby? Yeah. So I watched um, 
I, I'm I'm on episode six or seven now, and I watch I watch the first five on Amazon, and then six through ten are on Hulu Hulu Plus right now, which I'm in nice. the midst of my free trial, so I'm taking advantage. <laughs> cool, cool. All yeah. right. Well, just so everyone knows, still great. Yeah. Uh, yep. Since last episode, last since last we spoke, I finished the entire series, and. Uh, it's a is lot. Epi- it's a lot to think about. Do, do, yeah. Is, no, no, go ahead. I was going to say, is episode 10 of season two the last episode to date? Or is there... It is the last episode to date, but it's like end of season two and then season two and a half starts some point. It's like it's like Battlestar Galactica in that way. Mm-hmm. So this is going to be the tv podcast but uh is it <laughs> i i watched the first like five episodes of shield and then got bored with it and turned it off should i have turned see, it back on see that's that's what i did until dan came back and was like like telling me how great it was and i was like wait none of this stuff has happened to me yet and i like two episodes later i was like oh yeah this is this is this is delightful okay. yeah then I'll, yep. I'll have to put that on my list yeah that's a good one. All right. I think that is enough of that. Uh, I think, uh, you know, doing about five minutes on TV is always fine. But we got to do some tech news. Uh, I'll remind everyone out there, we do this Monday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific, on our website. Uh, we love our live listeners, including Dan's mom, who helps me fix my mic issues. So thank you. Uh, and I want to give a uh, uh, let you all know, don'tpanic.io is our website. Don't Panic Show on Twitter as well. So uh, be sure to check us out there and subscribe. Now, moving on. Gentlemen, I will ask you the same question I ask you every single week on this program, which is, what would you like to talk about first? Um, Apple Watch Companion app. Apple Watch Companion app. Well, we can certainly talk about this. This was a leak from 9 to 5 Mac this week, uh, and they released what they uh, purport to be screenshots of the companion app for the Apple Watch. Now, obviously, your Apple Watch connects to your iPhone, but you're going to need a way to control it. So it's assumed in the next version of iOS 8 that will launch alongside the Apple Watch, you will be uh, there will be this companion app which will control all the different settings with your watch. Um, what is my computer doing? Um, so I'm going to put some screenshots up here on the screen, but basically um, you'll be able to do things like choose which contacts appear on your friend's screen. Uh, you'll be able to decide things like whether to receive a reminder to stand up if you've been sitting too long, some of that fitness stuff. Um, You'll also be able to uh, choose whether you want to use uh, voice dictation um, when it comes to text messages. You'll also be able to establish canned replies, so things like automatically saying thank you or sorry or whatever. Um, you'll also be able, if you remember in the original vision of the watch, it's got all these tiny little circle icons. You'll be able to arrange those, choose what's on there, what's not, what order they're in, um, and uh, many other things. Uh, the thing I was most interested in was uh, apparently these screenshots confirm that it does have storage on the device. So you can put music and potentially apps in a V2 software update directly on it rather than having to have your iPhone with you everywhere. Interesting. Pretty cool. Doesn't say how much. Right. That's kind of neat, though. I feel like... Are any of the other are any of the Android watches like that? I feel like everything is kind of 
pretty pretty solidly tied to having a device. Well, you can definitely have apps on the Android watches, like locally right. on the thing, right? A, a, we talked about it on the show, I believe. There was an Android Wear update about a month or two ago that allowed for offline music. Um, mm. So you were, I see. were allowed to do that. Cool. Um, I'm scrolling quickly through. There I, a, I bet um, if I had an Apple Watch, I would buy Bluetooth headphones. Uh, because just today I was cleaning the apartment and... Uh, I'll be honest, I was in my pajamas, and my phone doesn't really stay in my pajamas, but I wanted to have it in there so I could listen to music, but uh, it was so precarious, and I don't like to keep a case on it, blah, blah, blah. If I had an Apple Watch, it would have been great. My Apple Watch doesn't leave my wrist. It's not falling off. Uh, otherwise, I don't, I've don't. i never really wanted Bluetooth headphones. Though I, I will say, and, and I enjoy being corrected if I'm wrong, um, I don't believe you can do that with Android Wear. Connect your headphones directly to the watch. Oh, then we'll... Okay. Maybe not. But if that's not how this works, what would be the point of having it? <laughs> oh, maybe you can. Oh, I don't know. That's a really good question. Let's uh, let's Google that, shall we? Um, you, I will you do, do that. that. While I'm doing that, continue to talk about this. <laughs> how, how's that for a prompt? S- sounds great. Colby, what would make you get an Apple Watch? Like... In the realm of possibility, it's whatever, March, whatever it is. What would have to change? <laughs> if it was less than $350. Okay. Um, $200? Three, three, yeah, what's yeah, your yeah. price? What's two, your price? I think like two two fifty is is within my impulse buy range for something like that. Three hundred and fifty is is I would say at least fifty dollars pushing like 75 or a hundred dollars more than like i will just <laughs> casually a, they're gonna price it at 275 <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the apple way 269.99 right. that's what i would buy. except if you want 16 gigabytes and then it's another hundred dollars <laughs> <laughs> no they double mm-hmm. it so it's 32 like on the uh oh that's right yeah, yeah. um I don't that's that's how I feel though. I don't know like maybe maybe my feelings will change. That's that's like flying blind, right? I'm not counting out that I might not want this after I know if it's cool or not. Like after some people have it and use it and are like, "Oh my god, this is actually amazing." Or if it's just another like I don't know, smartwatch cuz I don't know. To date, like nothing I've seen in in the smart smartwatch life has really made me want to go out and buy in the smartwatch so, life. Yeah, <laughs> the, the, like the game life. of smartwatch life. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's it how it I looks feel. like Sean has found the answer. I, I have. I stand corrected. You can connect a Bluetooth headphone directly to Android Wear which will house music you downloaded directly to your watch. Now, we obviously don't know if Apple can do that or not. They haven't said, but it's well within the realm of possibility. And I think, I agree with you, Dan, I think that's an awesome use case um, for that product uh, to be able to yep. do that. Yeah. Hmm. And the, the Apple Watch does not have Wi-Fi, right? Correct. Okay. Yep, Bluetooth only. 
So Dan, any any uh, new thoughts on? Hang on there. No. Oh God, am I wrong again? God. Yeah. I'm Wait. off tonight. Nope. Google lied. The Google summary lied. How could you do that? <laughs> they're, they're oh, wait, no. Generated by Apple computer. Watch also features 802.11bg Wi-Fi. Uh, so what if, if you're at home, you don't even need to have your phone to listen to music paired to your Apple Watch? You can just walk around with your Apple Watch and it streams it over your Wi-Fi network. Hmm. That would be cool. That uh, would be cool. Yeah. I could see that. Like, a, uh, Yeah. Yeah, I okay. I would like that because I hate having to look for my phone when stuff happens. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. I just always forget my phone, and you know the great thing—the great thing now with like the continuity stuff—is almost everything. And and what I'm talking about is my green text messages, like <laughs> almost everything that I would need to check my phone to know, like what my phone buzz for happens on the computer now. So I don't usually need to know where my phone is, um, but not quite everything. I think I I really want them to sync all notifications across all apps. Yeah, like if I get a stupid swarm notification, I check those on my phone usually. That, like if I'm out, and then I get back to the apartment, and my iPad is just filled with swarm notifications. Mm. Meanwhile, there's see, some apps on there that are only on my iPad that I actually want to see those notifications if they're there. Yeah. It would be nice if if they went away once you saw them, like on other devices, especially yeah. the iPad. I basically just turned off all the notifications on my iPad because it's, mm-hmm. con- it's, it's perpetually connected to the Bluetooth speaker. Um, oh, so things, things get weird. That's so smart. And annoying. I yeah. hate it when that happens. Yeah. Yeah. I just turned everything off. Nice. Amazing. Yeah. You learn something new every day. That's why they pay me the big bucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I... It doesn't work. Turn it off. It's fine. <laughs> I, I think this idea of the problem with the Apple Watch is Apple has basically said, and again, we don't know for sure, that you're going to need your phone for 99% of the things you do with it. So because it has a Wi-Fi radio does not mean it will connect to your Wi-Fi at home and do things without your phone. Now they could do that. If it doesn't do that. What what was the question it cut out there for a second? What would the Wi-Fi chip in the Apple Watch do if it does not connect to Wi-Fi networks? Uh, allow it to connect faster to Bluetooth devices that have Wi-Fi in them. So direct connect between your iPhone, but then your iPhone isn't connected to your Wi-Fi network anymore if that happens. Right. I but I again we don't know how they can use it, but that would be not ideal. I think Apple uh, they did an update where your Apple TV can now work direct over Wi-Fi. It does not have to be connected to the same network to do something like AirPlay. I could see the same thing with the watch. That's the same use case. I don't see them using the watch as a network connection to download information to your watch. Hmm. Because if you think about it, all the crap that's on your phone that powers those notifications and and sends the text messages and does all those things, I don't know if Apple has the infrastructure to do that directly over Wi-Fi. Unless the software on the watch is more powerful than we think, but... An iPod Touch is just connected over Wi-Fi, too, and that still works. 
but uh, an iPod Touch runs a full version of iOS with a much more powerful processor and battery. Yeah. I bet I bet it will connect to your Wi-Fi network. It might and, not it, it might still have to have a phone to do most things, but I bet you could like stream music over it or some some of those silly little things if you're connected over a Wi-Fi network. All right, I like that prediction. I'm but gonna, you wouldn't get any that. notifications or any of that stuff. I could only see it as a the Wi-Fi being used to connect to insular networks or directly to other devices and not reaching out to the broader internet. That doesn't that doesn't seem useful at all to me. Like the no, Apple not, TV I... thing is kind of useful because you set up an Apple TV in like a conference room, it sets up its own Wi-Fi network and you go on it and it just works. There's no cables. Mm-hmm. There's no cables for an Apple Watch anyways. Like, it has Bluetooth. It, there is no, like, uh, screen-sharing Bluetooth protocol, but there is the every Like, all the stuff the watch needs can be done over Bluetooth. I guess if you're transferring music to it, I could see that being the case, that it would be too slow. But you have a cable, but I guess Apple doesn't like cables anymore, which is good. Why not connect it to the whole network? So you don't have to take your device you're sending the music from off the internet, potentially. I think that's a great idea. Everything I've read, all the people, when they released WatchKit and all the people are building their apps for the Apple Watch, every single thing it does calls back to the app on your phone. So I I agree with you. I don't think they're going to do it. We will have to wait and see. All right. All right. Glad we got to the bottom of this one. Uh, <laughs> that was tough. We have our pre-orders in, I'm sure. Uh, let's continue. <laughs> Everyone's shaking their head. We're like, no. No, we're just going to hold on to the money. You can't even pre-order it yet. Can't it's fine. Pre-order. They haven't even announced. Well, they've announced it. They haven't even really given us a good look yet. So yeah. who knows what you're buying. Uh, let's continue on to another news story, gentlemen. Anything in particular that's caught your eye? Wanna- Want to keep on the Apple the Apple track and do the iPad Pro thing? We can talk about iPad Pro. My favorite prediction, the prediction I've made now two years running on this show, <laughs> they're going to do it eventually. I stand by that. Just a yeah. little ahead of my time. Um, there is a rumor floating around uh, reported on Apple Insider that uh, a analyst with KGI Securities, which we've all heard from these analysts before. They know much less than we think they do. Um, uh, has talked about Apple developing a 12.9-inch iPad that includes a stylus uh, as a way to input information, um, and patents lead this analyst to think that it will arrive in the second quarter of this year, which means they would probably have to announce it alongside the Apple Watch at whatever event they're doing that at. That would really make make the most sense, because they won't do another event until uh, June. Yeah, right. I mean, I don't think the stylus thing is shocking. I think if there is an iPad Pro, like, it makes an abundant amount of sense to have a stylus because, I don't know, for a certain sort of work, which I would imagine an iPad Pro is targeting to, would be targeted at people doing, like, certain kinds of creative work. And I feel like a stylus would lend itself to that sort of work. I don't know. What do you think? I I still I couldn't see it having a stylus. Maybe as like an optional thing that yeah. you could get that integrates in well and there's like an API for it. 
uh, rather than like the sort of hacky things. There's that. There's a bunch of styluses, styli. My apologies. That mm-hmm. are that are pretty nice in terms of writing, but they don't give you the same control that the uh, excellently named Wacom tablets do. Yeah, where you with can have, like, like the pressures. pressure. Yeah, yeah, which is what you really want. Right. And there's one stylus out there that does this over Bluetooth, but only like a couple apps support it. So if it was an optional supported thing, I could see it happening because Apple does love those creative professionals, but. They have made it very clear that they don't think that's the way these devices are supposed to be used. That's true. And I don't, th- I don't think. But on the other hand, I don't think beyond the market you described, there is anyone who wants something like this, except Sean. Uh, I did. For the record, I didn't say I wanted one. I said they were going to make one. Oh, okay. Um, no, I. Uh, what's interesting is when when you're talking about writing on a tablet, you're right. You get input one of two ways. You either have sensors in the screen or sensors in the pen, or both. Uh, The Microsoft Surface is an outstanding case because um, they don't advertise it enough, but the Surface actually has Wacom technology uh, built in, in sensors in the actual display itself, and that's why they kind of brag about all the great stuff they can do with a pen, and that's because they have really good sensors in the display. So, Mm. I think part of the problem, and this is a complete guess, and I'm really batting 100 tonight, so I'm going to go ahead anyway. Um, is that those sensors add a level of thickness to the device that you can get away with in a Surface because it's Intel powered and you got to have the, you know, you got to have a bit of heft that I don't think Apple would be comfortable with. But Dan, I think you're right. I think the accessory space is a great area for them. And Apple with their engineering staff, I guarantee could come up with a really awesome Bluetooth connected pen with a bunch of great sensors in it that could do some really great stuff drawing on the device. And I think if they're going to go with 12.9, I think they have to do a pen. I don't think it's an option because I think at that size, you're really going to start catering to more niche audiences. And one of those niches, I think, is artists. What are the other niches, though? Um, it, it's, I think it's the same group of people who were buying the giant Microsoft touch tables. I think it's like to put in lobbies of things. The, the NFL? Yeah, the NFL. I think it's uh, professional to like leave in a conference room for people to use. I honestly don't think it's something like your mom is going to buy and use in her home every day because I think that's a little too big. But again, we weren't sure what the iPad mini was for and why we needed two sizes of the iPad and we came to learn what it was for. So I think there is a market for it. It's just figuring out what that market is. Okay. I'm still not sold. My, Apple doesn't seem like the kind of company that wants to sell a product that just gets put in some company lobbies and in well, conference rooms. I mean, well, I mean, I don't know. Like, was that that obviously that wasn't Steve Jobs' Apple, but is Apple still the same Apple? I think. Well, <laughs> are they changing? This is the the first. We have two sizes of iPhones now. You remember that? Two sizes of iPhone. We've yeah. never had that before. So I think Apple is willing to cater more markets. And now I just thought of this, and I'm stu- feel but stupid. But we always knew there would be a market for a bigger iPhone. That's the difference. But People I, said they wanted one. But I think there is a market for the bigger tablet, right? And that market is the convertible laptop Microsoft has been pushing for years, right? It's that pull-apart. It's that Surface style, right? And 
Microsoft, believe it or not, is actually selling a fair amount of those. Not just Surface, but Lenovo and all those other Asus and all those guys. They're actually doing decent with the, the pull-aparts and the two-in-ones. If Apple could come out with a really killer keyboard dock accessory, I bet they could market this as a as someone who doesn't want to pay $1,000 for a MacBook Air, but will pay $700 and just and is good with an iPad and want the touch screen and want those features. I think that could be a really interesting cuz really if you think about it that's the gap in their computer portfolio. Cuz you're going to spend $500 on an iPad, you're going to spend $1000 on a MacBook Air, but what's in between? What do you, what do you think about that uh idea that floated around a couple of weeks ago that the uh we talked about the MacBook Air with only one port. Mhm. That that MacBook Air is actually the iPad Pro with a keyboard attachment. Oh, I didn't hear that. The big, Interesting. The big difference is the OS, right? Is it running iOS or is right. it running well, Mac OS? Oh, well, yeah, it would be running iOS in this case, I think, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. But then hmm. again, I think... Yeah. No, I think you're right. I think that could really, really get Apple over their gotta-be-super-thin-laptop-obsession... And really just have a MacBook or an, uh, an iPad Air that's just bigger. Yeah. Yeah. I, think, I, think I that like that idea. I like the idea that that other rumor is just a part of the iPad Pro. And it's a you know a keyboard with this, uh, whatchamacallit thing. Uh, USB Type-C? Yeah, yeah, USB Type-C port. My question is, though, you'd almost certainly want it landscape. And so how do you dock it in? Obviously, it has like the magnet thing on the side, but do you just have like a stupid little cable that loops up and goes in? Or do they move the lightning port down to the bottom or to the side of the thing, rather? Um, Why do... Yeah, I guess it depends. Or it's Bluetooth. Well, that's what I'm saying. If need... it's just a keyboard, you can do it over Bluetooth. And the great thing is now that the iPad has NFC built in, it, you can just have the NFC tap the NFC in your keyboard and it will automatically connect. You won't even have to do anything. Um, that's kind of the, one of the big things about NFC. But you're right. If you want to power anything more than that, like a second display, if Apple's going to you know, maybe put more features into iOS um, to get more productivity out of it, then you would, I think, need more than uh, Bluetooth. But that's interesting. That's really interesting. You heard it here first, people. Wild speculation on the Apple Corporation. No, you didn't. I heard it somewhere else first, but it's fine. <laughs> we'll just steal it from other people. <laughs> that's fine. I've been saying it for years. Um, no, I think uh, I think that's really exciting. So second quarter this year, they're saying, probably alongside the Apple Watch announcement, but we'll let you know. Um, let's continue on. We've got a lot more news coming at you, including what? I don't want to do any work, so I'm just going to keep... turn. I'm going to keep... Speaking of work, not wanting to do any work, Facebook at work. Facebook at work. <laughs> this is a great story. We've talked about it on the show before. This has been rumored many times, um, and it's finally been officially uh, announced in beta. Mark Zuckerberg launching Facebook at work. What is it? Uh, Android, iOS, and on the web. Uh, it's a collaborative app. It's basically Facebook... If you've ever used Facebook, you know what it looks like. Um, it's basically <laughs> that, except it doesn't connect to your real-life Facebook. So it's more of an insular network uh, where you have a separate account versus your regular Facebook account, um, and you use it to collaborate with your coworkers. So it's got features you know, like groups, events, messaging, and the news feed. Um, and that's basically it. There's there's really not... Colby, um, is, it, is it really just 
um, like GitHub Enterprise, but for Facebook, like it's basically exactly Facebook, but private. Uh, yeah. So I actually never, so while I was still there, it was like kind of beta for employee for in like internally for employees, but it was pretty much like it was Facebook. Just, it didn't like, there was no crossover. Like your work stuff was in work Facebook and your not work stuff was in regular Facebook. Um, mm-hmm which was at Facebook, like Facebook uses Facebook for a lot of stuff. So that was like a big deal for a lot of people because it really like your personal Facebook was really kind of like overwhelmed in the fire hose of like work stuff that was going on. Yeah. Um, so it was kind of cool. But yeah, I don't think it's like GitHub Enterprise in that it's probably not self-hosted. Right. Um, But other than that, yeah. I I think so. I would imagine there's some like kind of functional differences maybe in how like privacy works or something, but uh, I don't know. As far as, like I said, I haven't really used it at all. I've kind of seen it from afar and that was a pre, pre, pre release kind of version of it. So, okay. It makes a lot of sense even just having that just just facebook but it's private yeah uh i think they'll go really far with it yeah it's i mean i and like they say in this article and like you and i both observed facebook has been using facebook for work for a long time before that (laughs) uh sort of thing existed yeah yeah it's it's like we we use groups heavily like when I was, I don't know, I belong to dozens of groups, like internal groups while I was working there. And it was, it was pretty nice. And it, it was the, nice. The trolling group? Were you in the trolling group? Did I tell you about, I told you about the trolling group. I, I wasn't in the trolling group, but I still saw all the posts from the trolling group. <laughs> <laughs> um, there, yeah, yeah. There are a lot of groups. There are a bunch of groups that you kind of join at first and there you're like, oh my God. I, I need to stop getting all these posts. And, well, so and, I was just thinking that's probably where lists came from. It was not because yeah. any user wanted to use that, but be someone who's in <laughs> hundreds of Facebook groups with upwards of 10,000 friends would want to use lists. Yeah. I think lists were like, I don't know. That was before my time. But I think originally they were kind of conceived as like a privacy thing, like making privacy more useful and explicit, but no one really used them from what I, what I employees or otherwise, no one really used them. Right. I don't know though. Facebook at work is going to be an enormous failure. You think so? <laughs> Let me tell why you that, why. Sean? It's funny. I, Finally, right? We talk about technology and you guys are like, well, I worked with this company and I know a developer at this company, right? Finally, a story that falls in my line of work. My job is to look at things like collaboration software for corporations. This is what I do for a living. So (laughs) I finally have a unique view on something. I'm not just talking out of my ass. I swear. (laughs) I feel like I work for a fairly average company. 
in terms of how digital they are and how quick they are to adopt things, right? We're not all Etsy cutting edge with doing, you know, the cool, what's the cool new thing we're going to try. I would get... Just so we're clear, Etsy is not cutting edge in any way when it comes to most anything. Dan, we'll put our (laughs) company side by side and you can tell me who's cutting edge. We're just getting SharePoint, so slow down. Yeah, we skipped that step. Very smart. Um... If I went into my boss's office with Facebook at work, I would literally be laughed out of the building with the carton of my belongings. And it's because of one word, (laughs) Facebook. I have a tough enough time explaining how Google works to my coworkers. Never mind how Facebook and Facebook at work are different. Now, I I understand there's an education curve. You got to get people to understand it. But at the same time, I just find it so difficult that your average company, at least of scale, right, is going to feel comfortable rolling out a Facebook product in a corporate environment. Now, please See, tell me here, why I'm wrong. Here's the deal, Sean. Like, your, I don't think, I mean, your company is is a huge company. Like, you're not going to be the ones that adopt this. This is the sort of thing where, this is purely my opinion, but I think this is the sort of thing where the people who will start using this are people at companies of like 10, 15, 20, 30 people that don't have like, they don't have an internet thing. So like, and it's not like a big undertaking for them to adopt something like this. So the, they might just start using it because it's free and because it's easy. Um, I, I don't, I think you're right in that you, if you went to your boss tomorrow and were like, well, you should use this, you, you would get laughed out. Um, but I don't think your company is where you'll see this start to get traction if it does get traction. And something we haven't talked about at all in the show is Slack. I don't think we've talked about Slack Uh, at all. No, I don't think we have. Slack is great. Yeah. So Slack is this, it's a social network for work based around messaging. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's hugely successful at companies of varying sizes. And then there's the Yammer thing, which is also mentioned in this article. Which is so if it's just Facebook, the word, I do see that as being a downside, like you say, even though there's no real reason for it to be. Uh, but it also is a plus. People know Facebook. You get people into a company and you're like, if your company subscribed to this belief that having an internal social network for sharing and messaging and communication and document sharing is a good thing, people will use it way more if it's just Facebook than Yammer or Slack. Like, think of all those think of all those people in your company who don't know how Google works. How many of them have Facebook accounts? But the problem is... But how many of them have Facebook accounts? They all do, Dan. They all do. And if your company could be convinced to adopt this, they would probably see more success with Facebook at work than they would with Yammer or Slack. I agree with you there. The problem is everyone I know hates Facebook. That's the problem, right? You know Facebook as that annoying platform filled with a bunch of crap you don't want to look at. And my fear would be if someone came to me and said, Sean, we're adopting this new Facebook at work thing, even as someone who's enlightened on technology – I would say if this is anything like my Facebook I use now, even in the slightest, this is going to suck. But it won't be. That's the whole point. And the the problem is, right, the companies we're talking about, these small companies, companies that tend to be a little more tech forward, um, 
they're going to go with slack, right? I don't, I, I just, I, there's just something about this where I just say, Facebook does not correlate to corporate collaboration. Never mind the fact that they're a company generally accused of harvesting customer information to make a dollar, <laughs> which is great for any corporate environment. Right. So, I mean, that, that's a, that is point, a big downside. I think that, that is, but yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, think, I think it, it will I depend a lot just on how they approach uh, it. Free for teams up to 10, contact us for pricing. That's what they should have said. And, and it wouldn't surprise me if that's long-term, and I bet they'll have success with that. I honestly do. I honestly think in that size they will, but my guess would be Facebook doesn't want to just be that size, right? They want to be larger, and unless they can fix this image of theirs, I don't know. I think it's a tough sell. I mean, I don't think... A tougher sell than Yammer, though? Yammer is owned by Microsoft, you have yeah. to remember that, and they I have do a, remember that they have a foot in the door with every company that's contracted through Outlook and Office and SharePoint and all the like, and that's the big problem, right? Is especially larger companies buy from big vendors. Facebook is not a big vendor in this space. Not yet. Now, I think you, I think you underestimate their patience, though. Oh, like <laughs> I think this is sort of a like we're going to try this because it seems to make sense, and we'll see if it works. I don't think this is. I don't know. And I think they should hang in. And honestly, I can't imagine this is a particularly difficult thing for them to have done and gotten up and running. It's very similar to what they already do. It's not a stretch. You're very incorrect in that assumption. Ah, However, <laughs> okay. You're, no, and you're probably right. You're probably right. I'm, I'm taking the guy who knows nothing approach because uh, someone on the show has to. Yeah, that's um, okay. It's It's basically... Consider that for eight years you've been writing a system where you had where users had one account that and there was like one single source of truth. They had one account that was the thing and it was only that account. And then all of a sudden you're like, okay, a user should be able to have two separate accounts. Okay, but for, it's, it's kind of like eight how years, none of the Google awkward. app shit works at all still. Like it's all totally disjointed and weird. And they never announce a new product that works with Google Apps until years later. <laughs> See, I just assumed yeah. you could just take, should be easy. You could just take Facebook, remove all the existing users, and make a new Facebook on another server, <laughs> and then you would just sign up on that one for your business. And it, well, that's what I asked Colby, but it's not it's not hosted like GitHub Enterprise, so it can't work like that. Mm. I think also you would need like. Dozens of a million dollars worth of computers. <laughs> yeah. Which yeah. Is Facebook, kind of... Facebook can afford it, right? <laughs> um, yeah, then imagine how much the contact for pricing would be. Oh, like, my God. It'd be like an Oracle <laughs> thing. Well, you have to pay us a million dollars just to get the computers in your door. By the way, you also have to have a space and power for all those computers. <sighs> then we'll talk about a monthly price. <laughs> oh, my God. Um we got to continue on because uh, we're just breezing through the show tonight. I'll let everyone out there know Facebook at Work is available for a limited number of companies in, in a pilot right now, so it's not available publicly. Um, so if you're interested, sorry, you're out of luck, at least for the time being. Um, let's continue on. we got time for one more story. So what would you like it to be? <laughs> there it goes. Sean, you haven't picked one all night. What's I know, the one, I know. I'm what's farming. the one you're uh, you're missing? What's 
Um, Which one will you be sad if we don't talk about? The one I'll be sad if we don't talk about. To be I feel honest, like your last headline there was particularly inspired. So All right, we can talk about Elon be. Musk. The, the problem is you know how cynical I am about this future garbage. <laughs> it's, never, it's never gonna work dan it's never gonna work the future gonna suck we'll see. we'll see um let's talk about elon musk uh noted billionaire and rich crazy person um you may know him from his greatest hits including paypal tesla and spacex well he was in the news like a lot this week um and the reason for that is because he made some big announcements uh we'll cover the first one here he announced uh you, you may remember we talked about it on the show actually hyperloop which was his sort of broad plan to revolutionize travel by putting you in a pod in a vacuum-sealed tube and sending you 700 miles an hour across the country. Uh, What was funny is he just pitched it more as an idea with no intention to build it. Well, he's put his money where his mouth is. He's announced that in Texas he's going to build a five-mile-long Hyperloop test track for companies and student teams who want to test out uh, the technologies, whether they're building their own pods to go in the tube or their own tubes, um, he's going to invest his cash and do it there. He's even uh, suggested having an annual student Hyperloop pod racer competition. Um, that's Whoa. Awesome. I was going to ask if if he'll fund this by letting us go down there and get in the tube and go for a ride, because that would be awesome. I... And what better way to drum up, like, public support for this sort of idea and they're like you know what why don't you come down and try it i'll show you how much better it is than a train that's true or, yeah that would be cool not a chance point. i would never get in that thing not until it's been way I, beyond proven i would let a few people get in it no i'm saying do you I feel the same way it. about roller coasters john they have dan a million people rode that coaster before me that that's <laughs> what i realize it's unsafe but at least it has a record, right? <laughs> okay. If you're the second, so you'd, you'd wait a year. Yes. Yeah. yeah okay, yeah. that's fine. I, I want a lot of people to go on it before me. Because <laughs> that's usually it's, it's each time there's an accident is when they build in a new redundancy. So by the time I get on it, <laughs> you're in good shape. That's a fair point. I actually hate roller coasters, um, because they have no practical application. Like, like if I'm gonna risk my life <laughs> doing what... something, it might as be it might as well be something that it, that is either actually fun or like legitimately useful. Like the benefits outweigh the risk, and I don't think either of those things are true for roller coasters. That is the most Scrooge thing I've ever heard anyone say in my life. I don't like roller coasters yeah. because they have no practical application. <laughs> they have no practical application. I, I don't think it's that much fun. Like. I, I see, like, I understand why, like, people like the thrill of going fast, but I would much rather be going fast, like, in a car or on skis or something where I have some semblance of control of what's going on than just being, like, thrown to my death, possibly. Like, that's not fun. That's not fun to me. Dan and I are going to go to Six Flags without you. You can stay <laughs> Good. home. Go. I don't, I, I don't want to go. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. So, we'll have to wait and see. We're several years off from him building this. Um, but he's, he's seriously pushing. Uh, there are companies out there, including one that's going through a crowdfunder, uh, campaign right now that are trying to build prototypes, get involved. Uh, people are taking it very seriously and, and Musk wants to be a part of that. So we'll have to wait and see on that. The other crazy thing he announced this week is he wants to build, uh, an internet in outer space, uh, or some, something like that. Anyway, he wants to spend $10 billion, um, 
in a yet unnamed space internet venture uh, that will pepper the Earth with internet and allow us to send better internet out into space. So uh, the way it works is... Sean, can I uh, can I point something out? I would love you to. Here's uh, today's Don't Panic trivia. What was the original name of the internet uh, as it was registered in the uh, patent office in 1962? The information superhighway. I don't know. That's no. A good, that's a good question, though. I'm excited for the answer. The answer is the Intergalactic Computer Network. Nice. The person who designed it wanted it designed in such a way that it would work across planets, which it does. We already have, we like, Lamar's rover communicates over the internet, uh, over the same sorts of technologies that we use over our cable boxes. Wow. That's a beautiful thing. Yeah, because it's like designed to wait and like it can get the different chunks of information out of order and reorder them and it can work over super high latencies and stuff uh so none of the technology has to change the internet you just stick a satellite out there give it an ip address and it'll work it'll be slow uh but speed of light what can you do well and that's kind of what's interesting about this is because when you get into space, you're right, the internet is what it is, but at least on Earth, believe it or not, air actually slows the transfer of data. Yeah. I didn't know. Um, and so by putting a satellite in, sp- in low orbit, it accomplishes two things. One, it makes our internet faster and allows it to better reach out to space. Uh, Musk is talking about hundreds of satellites that would orbit at about 750 miles above Earth. Now, your traditional communication satellites are at 22,000 miles. So we're talking significantly lower. And what that is, is it's a speedier internet service uh, for those on Earth with less distance for those signals to travel. Um, They're saying it could uh, make a lot, uh, basically fiber optic level speeds at that 750 miles. Um, I mean, I think... I think it's safe to say that in 10 or 15 years, Elon Musk will be like a James Bond level supervillain. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's, there's only one, one, one conclusion this can reach. And I think that's it. I don't disagree. It won't be any, it won't be faster than a cable going under the ocean. I don't think it'll definitely be faster than, a cell receiver. Uh, But I don't think it can be faster than an underground fiber cable. I agree, but a shark will not damage a satellite in space like it will an underground cable. And Well, until the next Sharknado happens. (laughs) Until until Elon Musk goes through this crazy plan to send sharks into space. Like the villain that he is. Um, Space And it was also uh, online today that uh, a complete rumor that due to an unnamed source that Google uh, could be investing in SpaceX uh, at a valuation of about $10 billion, um, which would include it in not just the spaceships, but also in the satellite project as well. So now we're talking two giant evil corporations getting together um, to do some really scary things. Um, or some awesome things. I don't know. I, as, as I, I don't know. I think this is cool. I get, I get annoyed when it's some random guy doing it, but I feel like Elon Musk has at least proven himself because he's like, all right, that's, we're that's gonna true. make an, he's an awesome achieved electric... something. He's done it. He's some made the electric thing. car he promised. He has delivered things to the space station. 
you know, he, he does it. You know, Jeff Bezos has been saying he's going to land on an asteroid, I kid you not, for like almost a decade. And I don't even think he's launched a ship yet. Or no, to I be think fair, it's probably pretty hard to land on an asteroid. It is, but at least Elon Musk <laughs> makes like reasonable. You know, Elon Musk didn't say we're going to send internet to Uranus, but he <laughs> I said. See, I see. He works incrementally. Very smart. Very smart. Yeah. I'm sure he has a notebook somewhere with like, you know, the colony he's going to build on Pluto or something crazy. <laughs> um, that would be a great Tumblr. Elon Musk's notebook. I would follow that Twitter account. Pages torn great. out of Elon Musk's to-do list. I'm sure. Th- I'm sure there is like a Elon Musk is evil parody account somewhere. <laughs> I-, I have to believe that's a thing. Um, yeah. So there you go. That's that's interesting. I don't know. I think it's good for him. That's that's all I gotta say. Bill <laughs> Gates is just giving away all his money to charity. At least Elon Musk is doing something with it. Fair point. <laughs> That was terrible, Sean. I know, but you know, malaria you know, or or you know, internet in space. Mm, tough call. So, so in case anyone was concerned, Sharknado three is coming out in July twenty fifteen. As if and it any takes doubt. place in Washington D.C. Oh boy, Who, who's gonna who's gonna play the president? They can't afford Morgan Freeman, so it's got to be somebody cheaper. <laughs> who's cheaper? That's a good question. Because you know he's gonna make an appearance. Probably. Well, Vanilla Ice is rumored to be in the movie. Oh my god, yes! <laughs> I've never. Have you guys seen the Sharknado movies? I haven't seen either of them. No, no, I haven't. I, I, I haven't. I refuse. Fair enough. Wow. Oh dear. Where? How did we get to Sharknado? Elon Musk is a crazy person. Oh right. <laughs> Very good. All right. Well, I think we're out of time for news. Quickly, we didn't talk about Google Glass is dead. I don't think there's much more there. They're going to bring it back into the lab. You can't buy it anymore. And who knows what we'll see in the future. So you actually have until midnight tonight. So you've got about another hour uh, if you're watching oh, this live. Oh, snap. Yeah. Get your, get, drop my, what is it, $1,800? 1500 Get out that Amex black card and uh, pick, pick up your copy of Google Glass before it's discontinued. Uh, maybe they'll go for something on eBay. Who knows? Uh, we also breeze past Samsung interest in purchasing BlackBerry. Both companies have denied it at a $7.5 billion purchase price. Um, probably interested in security and patents, but that's to be seen. Um, Google also launched Google Domains. You can buy a domain through Google at $12 a pop um, if you're into buying domains. Okay. I'm not sure how I feel about that. I don't think I want Google to control my domains. I, anything's better than GoDaddy. That, that's, that's, that's true. The, You're not wrong. Like, You're not wrong. Yeah. Okay. yeah. The real answer is Hover, though. Hover. Yes, I yeah. love Hover. They are really great. I agree. Um, all right. Let's move on to our picks this week. Um, and we are going to have Colby. Go Me? First. Yes. Oh, yeah. So um, I'm not sure if this got mentioned on the show at all, but last week I went to watch the new Parks and Rec and my cable was out. Um, and then on Sunday, or I guess it was yesterday, today's Monday, I went to watch the Patriots playoff game, um, and the cable is still out. So I bought, I ordered an HD antenna, um, for over the air HD, because like, that's the thing you, there's still TV over the air and now it's in HD. Um, and it came today. It's, it's delightful. It's amazing. I get like the same channels from my cable. I got from my Comcast cable box 
but they're in HD and it works with my TV's like built in guide thing. It pulls all the information into like a UI that is better than you get on your cable box. And it's delightful and awesome. And I haven't used it that much. So I'll report back and tell you if it's actually terrible. Um, but it's definitely cool. The antenna was like 80 bucks or 90 bucks or something. Um, but I'm pretty sure it's going to be totally worth it. But I will say, I think that is sort of a geographic, the value is kind of varies depending on your geographical location. Like if you're in a city, you will get like significantly more and like higher signal channels. Um, and that, that probably degrades the farther out you go, like the farther from a major metropolitan area you are, the pro the more intense equipment I suspect you would need. Um, but there, there is a pretty in-depth article on, on these sorts of things on the, on the wire cutter. Um, so if you're interested, check it out. But if you're like me and you're paying for that Comcast package that is HBO Go and your local channels in standard definition, you should definitely consider an HD antenna. So that's my story. Wow. And I have to say, this is probably the best looking antenna. That... <laughs> it's a, you, you know, the thing that blows my mind, it's a piece of metal. It doesn't move. It's just like a piece of metal, like a, a fancily shaped piece of metal. And they, it even comes with a command hook so you can hang it on the wall. Wow. That's pretty yeah. sweet. Yeah, so we'll have links to uh, to both the, the product itself and the Wirecutter article on our website uh, if you'd like to read more. Colby, I will ask you, have you uh, have you thought about um, adding a DVR to the, uh, the over-the-air signals? I haven't. Just um, purely curious. I don't know. Is that like... So you would probably know more about this than me. Is that like a thing? Like, do I have to pay? I know, like, if you have DVR and cable, you have to, like, pay for the DVR service, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do I have to do that? Uh, yeah, you do. It's It depends on who you go through. My two <laughs> probably recommendations would be TiVo and Simple TV um, at simple.tv and uh, TiVo. TiVo has the Romeo. you got to pay for TiVo service. But that will mm -hmm. record your over the air, and then Simple TV also has a, um, a a cost to it. Uh, if you spend a little more up front, you can get the lifetime service included. Uh, TiVo does the same thing, but both allow you to not only record your shows, but I know Simple TV will allow you to stream it to uh, yeah. to Roku's on your phone. You'll be able to, you know, do all those different things. So interesting. Was was just curious um, about. Yeah, that. maybe I'll check it out. If it's anyone not, out there like... is, is interested. Yeah. Not something I've considered so far, but it might be kind of nice. Yeah, you're not you're but you're not like a particularly hardcore television watcher anyway. I'm really not. Yeah. Like I want it for like Parks and Rec and football. Like football is really what I want it for and yeah. if I miss the fo football game, I'm not going to go and posthumously watch the football game. Mm -hmm. uh, after you've murdered yourself out of <laughs> despair. I, <laughs> Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, after the 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 requisite New England sports disappointment in the final in the final, um, no, but uh, yeah. Ooh, so that, I mean, the strong big thing, strong commitment from Colby here. <laughs> we won't talk I about mean, such bad. You no, know, I just try and not get my hopes up because I've learned better. <laughs> We're gonna win the Super Bowl, going all the she, way. See, Sean, suck at Seahawks. 
damn it, Sean. <laughs> that's, it. that's not like it's over now. We're gonna lose now because Sean talked trash. Yeah, that's and... how it works. It's a, it's a virtual guarantee. Uh, anyway, we should move on before I get in any more trouble. To <laughs> Mr. Dan Miller, who's gonna talk about a website that uh, I am a big fan of, and I'm glad he is as well, and we get to share it with the fine folks at home. Yeah, so talking about hipmunk.com doesn't, like many of those fun new websites, the website itself does not tell you at all what it does. Uh, hipmunk.com is a website for searching for flights and less usefully searching for hotels. I haven't found the hotel search to be amazing, yeah. but the flight search is the best. I've tried them all. I've tried Google Flights. I've tried that whatever Google Flights bought. They also have that website still up. Uh, a bunch of different things. If you're just looking to see the best flights, Hitmonk is great. So what you do is you put your from, your to, and a by default sort by agony, which is usually what you want. It's not the cheapest flights necessarily. It's like cheapest mixed with length and number of layovers. Uh, so for example, there are, and this is partly because my company is paying for it, it was about twice the price to get a direct flight uh, from JFK to Berlin, but uh, it's only from 300 to 600, so it's not the end of the world. And it's way faster. It's like less than half the amount of time. Uh, and when you're sitting on a plane and you're not paying for business class, which is like five times as expensive, then every hour counts. Uh, so I've tried them all. Google Flights was... The, my second favorite but it only gives you one other it only gives you uh one option to buy from and something i've found when buying flights on non-us based airlines is that if you go to their website like lufthansa.com you can't buy any tickets on that website with american credit cards it just doesn't work uh and that's all google would give you so i couldn't do that whereas hipmunk gives you a bunch of different I forget what they call them, like third-party carriers, like your price lines and your cheapo air and stuff like that, which is kind of weird, and they're usually a little bit more expensive. But, hey, you can actually buy the ticket on that website. Uh, if anyone knows how to fix that, that would be great. It would save me like $50 on all of these. But uh, otherwise, hitmunk.com, haven't found a better one. Yeah, I'll, I'll second that. I really like hitmunk. I use it all the time. It's it's great for like last minute stuff too. If you're like, oh shit, I need a flight. Like it's a great way to figure out the the cheapest, quickest option. Um, I did that that time I came to visit you, Dan, last year, and I I like canceled my flight at the last minute and left a day early. That's how I used Hitmonk, and I got a I got a pretty solid solid nice. deal for last second save. Another one of my favorite features is you can you don't have to do from to uh, airports directly. You can do areas, so you can mm, do like from yeah. San Francisco area to New yep. York area, and it will try all of the airports in the area and give you the best one. Super yep. great. And I like that when you change your search, it open it like duplicates it in like a tab, so so you can go back without losing your mind. Yep. My my, see, I love Hitmark. My favorite is the little chart of the flight, including like the, the little width of time of how long each each leg is and how long your layover is. Because I never do the math in my head well enough to realize, oh shit, that's an eight hour layover. Or <laughs> there's a thirty minute flight and then a ten hour flight, or yeah, 
you know, I, I no Hitmonk is great. So uh, H-I-P-M-U-N-K dot com hotel and airline uh, reservations. Get them there. Uh, my pick this week is a follow-up to a pick I made back in November, you may remember. Uh, the Internet Archive at archive.org decided to put a bunch of old arcade games uh, playable in your browser online and a lot of big titles. We talked about this on the show. Well, they've expanded their roster, and this week they announced they have now included MS-DOS games. So we're a little bit of a younger generation. We may not have played all you know Missile Command and Centipede in arcades, but... Some of you may remember such hits as, uh, you know, the Oregon Trail, which I think most people know, uh, the original SimCity, uh, Street Fighter, Prince of Persia, uh, Dune, um, Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego. They've got a really great list uh, of games here. There's, uh, I think, about 200 of them uh, that you can play in your browser. Uh, It works very well. It uses a DOS emulator that runs right. Uh, I've done it in Chrome. Works very well. Uh, They even have the music and the whole thing. I played a a game of Oregon Trail. Uh, Turns out it's much easier when you're older than like 10. Um, (laughs) Turns out it's a very easy game to win uh, if you're just not an idiot. Um, So I breezed that quickly. But it is a lot of fun, and it did bring back some fun memories. So I recommend you check it out. The link is on our website. um, Or you can go to uh, archive.org, and the link is there as well. So uh, MS-DOS games in your browser, a great way to suck up a little bit of your time. Uh, I highly recommend it. And the link, as I said, will be on our website. So you can get there. Whew, there we go. That's it. We're done. Woo. I, need to get off, I need to get off the air before I say anything else wrong. Uh, <laughs> is there uh, anything either of you would like the world to know before we close down for the evening? Um, Be excellent to one another. Yeah. Be kind and recycle. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. I can't think of a better way to end than that. Uh, We'll be back next Monday night, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific, on our website, don'tpanic.io. There are links to all of the sites that host our content, as well as all the social media accounts where we talk about that content. Uh, We will be back next week with a brand new episode of Don't Panic. But until then, we'll wish you all a fair good night.